Squash Solutions, what is happening all you party people? Two months into 2023 and it's been rather crazy times. We're coming up on the Ides of March, which means a handful of things. One, March Madness and the NCAA Basketball Tournament. And two, St. Patty's Day is right around the corner. And if you haven't heard one of the top movies at the box office is Cocaine Bear, which apparently is about Winnie the Pooh running a cartel out of Yellowstone. Anyhow, welcome back to the Smart Asses Podcast, where we let borons be borons. This is your host, Andy Erickson, and I'm here with the grapes to my vineyard, the hops to my hazy pazy, or my hazy pale ale, heartbreaker, Chris Ernst. Heartbreaker, my man. How you holding up? I'm doing great, Andy. How about yourself today? I'm doing all right. Hey, not getting into too many details, but did you survive Valentine's Day? I did. Yes, it was a close call, but I did. I'm sure that you did. Anyway, that's great. As mentioned, the odds march right around the corner. What's your favorite Shakespeare classic of all times? Wow, I'm fully unprepared for that question. I think I will go with Macbeth, Andy. Hmm, of course you would. I bet many of our listeners didn't realize the heartbreaker is a poet as much as he is a chemical guy. Anyhow, we have a real deal episode for our friends of the show this month. It's arguably one of my favorite guests to speak with and a true legend to the industry. I know I say that about all my guests, and I actually do mean it about all of them, but there's something special about the legend Dwayne Zelkowski, more formerly known as Papa Z. So let's not waste any time, and let's get at it and give it a tasty. Heartbreaker Man, do us a solid and give us a little intro to the legend of Papa Z. Thanks, Andy. Happy to. I'm not sure I can top the man, the myth, the legend that you just called him. He's he's earned all of that in his time with us, and uh, he is, puts all the pieces of the puzzle together for us around what's going on in the market, specific to IPA and ethanol. Beauty. All right, Papa Z, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How's everything with you? Uh, doing, doing all right, doing all right. Uh, before we get into talking a little bit about chemistries, we were kind of hoping you'd play a game with us. Uh, are you willing to play it? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right, it's a little game we call, is it a pale ale or is it isopropyl alcohol? It's rather simple. We're going to give you the name of a company and a city and state, and you just need to tell us if they're associated with 2-propanol, isopropanol, or an IPA, as in the India Pale Ale. You ready? Gotcha. Let's roll. All right. Old Nation, Williamston, Michigan. Pale Ale. Wow, solid. He knows his ales. All right. All right. Associated Bag, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Pale Ale. Ooh, no, that's IPA. So it sounds like somebody we need to be calling on. Barance, Avon, Ohio. Uh, IPA. Solid. Ballast Point, San Diego, California. Pale Ale. All right, all right. And Alpine. That's all you're going to get, and this might be a trick question. Alpine, I would say IPA. Well, you are accurate with saying IPA. Um, Alpine Health out of Secaucus, New Jersey is officially isopropyl alcohol. And then we have Alpine Beer Company out of Alpine, California, which is an IPA. So there you go. Uh, how exciting. All right, let's talk a little bit about the uh, world of isopropyl alcohol, and then we'll jump over to ethanol. But we're seeing, hearing some rumblings about pricing movement in the propylene market. What's the latest and what's going on there? Yeah, good good question. <clears throat> Last night, we saw the propylene market and contracts settle up again, another $0.07 cents following last month, where we saw an $0.11 cent increase in propylene. So for a year where propylene was scheduled to be flat, we've seen $0.18 cents worth of increases. Um, 
some things happening in the market as far as the propane dehydrogenation units being down, as far as heavier demand for polymer propylene from some of the polypropylene folks in the market. A lot of peas out there. So some unexpected happenings that has driven the price up. Uh, plus a little bit of curtailed refinery activity. So not as much propylene coming from those folks that usually push about 70% of the propylene to the market. So a real change right now in the market. Yeah, Dwayne. So given all of that activity and I'll say unexpected back-to-back kind of movements in pretty big chunks, what do we expect to happen for propylene derivatives? You know, three quarters of the propylene goes into making IPA. So with 17, 18 cents worth of movement, we would expect an increase. Uh, Unfortunately, demand remains soft. Inventories remain long. So we're caught in between. Should should the increase come? Absolutely. Market conditions are telling us otherwise. All right, Dwayne, shifting gears a little bit. Sustainability is a top priority for a list of many of our manufacturing partners. What does this mean for IPA? You know, IPA has not been really included. I'd call it kind of an outlier except if you're looking in Europe. It's been a big push over there because they can classify it as a nature-based solvent in Europe. So they've had a lot of success. We have not seen it here till recently. And I think with every quarterly statement that comes out from companies, the sustainability becomes a larger thing. But we are seeing folks now asking us, getting involved, wondering how can we come up with a reuse program? How can we take IPA, bring it back, clean it up, take it back to a virgin spec and resell it? So we're not just continually disposing and, and, and having it sent to the uh, recyclers to, uh, to dispose of. Awesome, Dwayne. Thanks. Let's, let's stick with sustainability, but shift to ethanol. How do you see the sustainability trend impacting ethanol? Yeah, probably the opposite of the IPA. <clears throat> ethanol is getting a lot of play right now. The field and the folks out there love the circular structure to the sustainability, starting with the farmer on the farm, coming all the way up and being processed through. We see a lot of new applications and some old applications that were mothballed. Uh, We see automotive folks looking to use it for windshield washer solvent now. Uh, Other internal applications along those lines, we are seeing um, a lot of the old ink accounts now coming back and saying because of the sustainability, we'd like to put it back in the formula and maybe remove items like propanol, propyl acetate, um, so that it does the same result with the inks and the clarity. So a, a lot of movement and a lot of interest in ethanol right now. All right. So what kind of shifts are we seeing as far as traditional fuel players moving into industrial? Well, I, th- I think it's become the market for the fuel players. They had got their taste during the pandemic when you could sell any type of ethanol. Didn't matter of smell, didn't matter of grade. You guys know it. You went in and Hopefully nobody got stopped by the police when you use some of that tequila smelling uh, hand sanitizer and the cops were questioning you. But uh, we see them jumping really heavily into the game. They've put in some purification processes uh, so they're able to get out and move it into the industrial market, not so much into the beverage or food. And they continue to try and push into that market. We're seeing more onto the 190 proof material that they have. And I think as we look at this year, you're seeing gas prices coming down. That does a direct reflection on fuel grade ethanol prices coming down. So I think we will see more of a push with the fuel fuel ethanol into the industrial because it become much more profitable as prices have fallen back under $2 for fuel grade ethanol at this point. Okay, Dwayne. So you mentioned 190 proof. 
Can you help us understand a bit of how the fuel players have, have impacted the 200 proof industrial market versus the 190 proof industrial market? Yeah, absolutely. The The 190 proof is, is the standard product that comes out of the spigot. And that's what everything is made to. There is an upgrade that has to occur to get to 200 proof. You need a dryer unit to do that. The historic players have that equipment. They do that because they're selling heavily into the beverage market as well, and they want purity. We do not see that as often with the 190 producers, the fuel grade folks. We have seen a few that have put the equipment in to now be able to upgrade their their product to participate in those other markets that are out there. But in the overall scheme, they still are focused on the 190 market, uh, more than the 200, probably more availability overall volume for them. Awesome. Thank you, Dwayne. As always, great to have you on. As always, we really appreciate your your market intelligence and uh, know-how. And thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you. Good to see you all. All right, everybody. That's a wrap on this, the latest episode of the Smart Assets Podcast. We'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Spring is almost here, everybody. Hang in there. We'll see you soon. Smart Acids, breaking things down for the chemicals and specialty ingredients market, one born at a time. Smart Acids is part of the Univar Solutions Podcast Network.